China's initial response to the coronavirus received praise. But now, with the accusations of cover-ups, crackdowns and even forced quarantines beginning to mount, is China trying to shut down coronavirus whistleblowers? The Trump administration under intense pressure from Congress to send a stronger, decisive message to Saudi Arabia for its alleged role in the disappearance and possible murder of a Washington Post journalist. Julian Assange is in our headlines. He's in a London courtroom this morning, finally facing an extradition hearing. The United States wants Assange to stand trial there, nearly a decade after he published classified U.S. military documents online. Our breaking news this evening is the identity of the man who sent the Obama administration into defend and explain mode this week. His name is Edward Snowden. He's an American former CIA employee and computer technician. Today he came out as the leaker of classified NSA documents that spell out a secret surveillance program. Welcome to Your World Uncensored, a podcast that explores a wide variety of stories, current events, and issues in the public interest. I'm your host, Daryl Vandenberg, a radio news reporter turned podcaster. Everyone knows or should know the stories of Julian Assange, Chelsea Manning, and Edward Snowden, whistleblowers that exposed war crimes and mass surveillance on the part of the U.S. government and CIA. They've been hailed as truth-tellers, and in the case of WikiLeaks and Julian Assange, even journalists. Even if you look at police raids on ABC journalists in Australia over their reporting on war crimes in Afghanistan, or journalists detained in Iran, Turkey, China, Saudi Arabia, and so on, the obvious theme is that power wants its dirty laundry suppressed. Whether it's those standing up against blatant authoritarianism, or the war machine hiding behind Western democracies, journalism is dangerous. During this episode, we're going to talk to Dr. Courtney Ratch, the advocacy director for the Committee to Protect Journalists, based in New York. We'll ask about some of the threats facing journalists and whistleblowers and the committee's work to protect them. What we're seeing around the world is that journalists are really facing an unprecedented time when they are under threat from so many different levels and working in an environment that is uh, very challenging because so many things look like journalism um, in the technological environment in which they work. Raj is also the author of Cyber Activism and Citizen Journalism in Egypt, Digital Dissidents and Political Change, and has been a journalist since 2003. The Committee to Protect Journalists is an independent nonprofit NGO and has correspondents around the world helping to promote press freedom while defending the rights of journalists. Raj says their work is to systematically track the killing, attacks, and threats to journalists and press freedom. And we really do this through our three prongs, which is reporting and research. We build our advocacy on top of that, and we provide assistance to journalists under threat and life-saving guidance through our emergencies program. On the one hand, we've seen that this is the fourth year in a row of record numbers of journalists being imprisoned, um, 250 or more for the past four years. And that tells us, because of course governments are responsible for imprisoning journalists, that there are you know, real, real um, threats that governments are feeling from journalists that they need to throw them behind bars. So we're trying to combat that through addressing and, and combating the 
criminalization of journalism, which is essentially the equation of journalism with terrorism or um, false news and, and charging journalists with spreading fake news, um, with criminal defamation laws, et cetera. So we're trying to combat the rise of criminalization of journalism. Why do you think journalists are targeted for being a part of criminal activity? Does it have anything to do with the rise of citizen journalism online? When did this become an issue? Yeah, I think that the reason that um, that we see a rise in criminalization of journalism, there are a few factors. So first, we saw a spike after 2001 and the creation of the War on Terror and the use of terrorism charges by the U.S., which then spread around the world and was manipulated by countries that are seeking to control and manipulate the information environment in their countries. We saw another spike after 2011 and, and again after 2016 um, with the rise of fake news charges, essentially. We call it false news. Um, but, of course, the rhetoric after 2016 became fake news, so the expansion of fake news laws around the world, laws that criminalize the spread of incorrect information or information that whoever's in power doesn't like or doesn't agree with. So, you know, there are a variety of, of, of reasons for that. I don't, I think that part of the reason is certainly um, the fact that so many more people can go directly online and publish. That doesn't mean that everyone is doing journalism. Um, but there is this, you know, there are new tactics that are being tried to control and, and, and manipulate the information environment by those in power. Julian Assange is facing extradition from the UK to the US to face espionage charges. That's for his part in releasing classified material regarding US war crimes in Iraq and Afghanistan through WikiLeaks. How are you working to defend him? CPJ has been working on Julian Assange's case since the outset. I mean, the fact is that we saw and we expressed concern as soon as we heard, for example, um, that there was you know, one charge against him, that there would actually be further charges brought against him, and highlighted our worries about the use of the Espionage Act because we saw that both under the Obama administration and the Trump administration that they're very um, that they've really increased the use of that against journalists and to crack down on whistleblowers and their sources. Now, he, I mean, we have, I think, I don't know how many letters we've written. We've met with his lawyers. We've written out on his behalf. We don't include him on our jail journalist census, um, but that doesn't mean that we don't protect and um, advocate on his behalf, as do many um, press freedom organizations. As the co-founder of WikiLeaks, he helped whistleblowers anonymously publish classified information. How do you differentiate between a spy and a journalist? Does that make Assange a journalist? How do you define the trade? Well, one thing is we look at every case. Um, whether, you know, journalism is a certain set of practices, right? So whether we're looking at Julian Assange or a media activist from Syria, we're looking at, you know, are they doing journalism? Um, that requires, you know, fact-based reporting and attempt to be accurate, um, that there's some, like, history there. So there are a lot of factors that we have to look at. And also there are people who may, for example, officially be a journalist um, with a press card, but maybe they're under threat not for doing journalism. So in the case of Assange, um, you know, it really doesn't make 
any difference whether Assange or WikiLeaks fits any precise definition of a journalist. And we don't support the idea of a precise definition of a journalist because who's going to make that a government, right? So that's problematic. The fact is, is you don't have to be a journalist to be protected by the First Amendment. And so infringing on Assange's First Amendment rights in this manner is a blow to journalists and to publishers. Considering Assange may have leaked the classified information from outside the U.S. and is still facing charges in the U.S., what concerns does that raise? What precedents does that set for journalists and whistleblowers globally? So this is a huge, I mean, this is a huge concern about the um, extraterritorial application of the Espionage Act. Absolutely, that's a concern because that would mean that any journalist anywhere in the world could potentially be prosecuted for publishing classified information. So, yes, this is a huge concern and it's one that we've raised um, many times in our reporting. Why should people care about what Julian Assange leaked or helped leak? What, like, why should people care about someone like that? I know it's a long time ago, so it might not seem like everyone's really as aware of it. But I think we have to care about what's happening to Assange because of the threat that it poses, the precedent that it sets, uh, sorry, the threat that it poses to journalists, and the, th- the precedent that it sets. So we already mentioned, for example, the extraterritorial application of the Espionage Act. This would have wide repercussions for journalists around the world. Um, The fact of using the Espionage Act in the first place to prosecute those who are publishing information that they obtain through whistleblowers. Um, The prosecution under the Espionage Act means that the U.S. government could advance legal theories, for example, that threaten journalists. so, you know, there are many issues that are rooted in this case that express that, you know, that we have deep concerns about, and that's why we've been very vocal um, in speaking out against, um, first of all, the charges being brought against him um, and against the extradition request. How does CPJ aim to change the use of espionage laws in the U.S. and around the world? How has advocacy worked to protect journalists to do that? Yeah, we've we've done a lot of advocacy around those laws. So again, like I said, we are all of our advocacy is based on the reporting, and we have reported many cases where espionage acts are espionage laws are used to clamp down on critical or uncomfortable reporting by those in power. So first, we reported on that. We did a big report called Obama in the Press, for example, that focused on the U.S. and we found that's how we know. Um, how often the Espionage Act was used, and what impact that had on journalists. Not only the journalists directly affected, but also the the signal that sends to other journalists about the potential legal threats that they could face. Um, We're doing a similar report on the Trump administration and the press to understand what's happening here. So first of all, understanding the chilling effects that even using these laws have. Then we go in and we advocate directly with the government. Um, We talk to Congress about our concerns, so obviously we're talking the U.S. context, but we also work around the world, and we raise these concerns with, um, you know, democratic governments and multilateral institutions where we want to make sure that, you know, while there may be a legitimate role for an espionage act, there needs to be very clear guidelines and protections for journalists and journalistic work. Um, so, you know, we do that through direct advocacy and through things like um, public campaigns. In 2015, we launched a campaign called The Right to Report in the Digital Age, and that was really pushing back on some of these ideas um, that, that would be criminalized under things like the Espionage Act. 
What about like local journalism? I'm, I'm getting a bit off point here, but that seems to be something that's declining a lot everywhere. Canada, US, Australia, even just like small newspapers and stuff, because they seem to be a, a watchdog on a local level. And I guess for people to really vote or get involved politically or be on top of issues, you have to look at it locally. I mean, what do you kind of think about the future of journalism, considering the decline of local journalism, you know, like local newspapers and stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, you know, CPJ is really focused on local journalists around the world, and especially those who don't have anyone else who's advocating on their behalf. Um, but in terms of kind of the decline of local news in Western democracies, you know, I think this is a huge problem. It means that people don't have coverage of their local issues, and there's this trust gap um, with the national level media. It means that maybe people have never met a journalist, so they don't really know anyone. And so, it, you know, the idea of a journalist becomes this, you know, hypothetical, um, you know, thing out there versus somebody that they've maybe actually met. Uh, and, and, you know, who's just doing their job. And, of course, then there's the problem that the, those in power um, aren't being held accountable. You know, the, the, the lack of transparency because who's reporting on what's going on, and second, who's going to, you know, report on when there's some sort of aberration from, from the norm, for example. You know, if you have a reporter who's covering the local courts every day, you know, they, they have the sources, they, they know when something's going on. Um, same, you know, if you're covering the school board, but there has been a decimation, according to reporting by other organizations, um, a decimation of the local news landscape. And that's having a real impact on, you know, on people's perception of the news and the lack of coverage in their, in their own neighborhoods. How does democracy move forward now, you think? Like, I know we're in the digital age now and there's more citizenry journalism online and stuff like that going on. Like, what, what's, what's going to happen, you think? Um, I think that's a great question, what's going to happen. That's the you know, $64 million question. I know that there are a lot of innovative and um, interesting initiatives out there to try, you know, new business models. Um, you know, this is all, all of these things are tied up in the issue of economic sustainability and the business models, um, the, you know, which are tied up with the platforms that we use to get our news. I mean, obviously one thing that people can do if they turn out local news is subscribe um, and pay for news because it does cost money to have someone, you know, cover the courts every day and file the freedom of information requests and payments that are required there or to send them overseas to cover whatever war that's going on or, you know, to spend the time digging into masses of data and figuring out how to make sense of data to find what the story is, you know, like the Tennessee Furnace or whatever. So, there, you know, it costs money to, to make the news. So I think that's really important to realize. I don't think that citizen journalism is a replacement for the more traditional forms of journalism, but it's an important part of the ecosystem. And I think that there are a lot of interesting collaborations um, in that realm, but I don't know what the future of journalism is. I just hope that there is a future for journalism because without it, we don't have transparency, we don't have accountability, and ultimately, press freedom is a fundamental pillar of democracy. Is there, is, is there anything else you'd like to talk about, like regarding some of the advocacy you're doing right now, like any kind of stories that are pretty big that are really important that you'd like to talk about, or...? Um, I mean, I think that one of the one of the things that we're working on um, 
is getting justice in the murders of journalists. So we actually saw a big reduction in the number of journalists who were killed last year, which was really, really welcome after so many years of working in this field. And with such high numbers of journalists killed last year, we saw a real significant drop. So we're trying to figure out, um, is that a blip or a trend? And we desperately hope it's a trend. But meanwhile, you still have all of these journalists over the past decades who have been murdered because murder is actually the leading cause um, by which journalists are killed around the world for their work. And we're trying really hard to bring justice and accountability in those murders. For example, Javier Valdez in Mexico. Mexico is one of the deadliest countries in the world for journalists. And even countries like Malta, you know, little European Union country where they have uh, they have a journalist who was murdered with a car bomb and her, the mastermind of her, you know, her killer still remains at large. So that's a big thing that we're also working on. So it's happening everywhere, really, yeah? Um, yeah, pretty much happening everywhere. I mean, we see them. But the countries where journalists are killed are typically different than the countries that imprison journalists. And I think one thing we're keeping track of is whether um, the decrease in killings is going to, um, if we're going to see an increase in imprisonment, whether that's a, you know, are they using different tactics or is it something, you know, even more subtle like administrative harassment, um, you know, of media organizations and journalists like what we're seeing in the Philippines. You can now follow the Committee to Protect Journalists on Twitter and learn more about them on their website, cpj.org. There you can find contacts and a bit more about their services for journalists. That's it for this episode of Your World Uncensored. Be sure to subscribe and stay tuned for more episodes. Thanks for listening.